Hey guys, welcome into the Commercial Appeals Memphis Grizzlies podcast. I'm Grizzlies beat writer David Cobb alongside sports columnist Mark Giannato. Uh, fresh off last night's NBA draft lottery results, biggest jump, Mark, in franchise history. The Grizzlies rise from eighth in the pre-lottery draft odds to second, where presumably popular opinion says they'll be able to select Murray State's Ja Morant or potentially Duke's R.J. Barrett. What are your initial thoughts after having a few hours to sort of digest what happened last night? It was exhilarating. I hope they don't screw it up. Um, I don't think they will. I think this is, you know, this is a better situation than, what was it, 09 when they picked Hashim to beat with the second pick. Um, but it, that, was, that was a lot. It was a lot of fun last night. You know, that commercial break... Where you real when you realize that the Grizzlies had jumped into the top four, and it was it felt like super long, but it was really only four minutes. But and you're just thinking of the possibilities, and then they announce Lakers at four, Knicks at three, and you're like, what what the heck is going on here? Like, what, are we going to get Zion? And they didn't, but like ultimately, like this was the one. This was like the break the Grizzlies had kind of been looking for for a couple years now. And to, like they, they finally got lucky, and they needed some luck to get out of this rut they'd been in. And, I mean, arguably, like, when was the last time a Grizzlies fan could feel as excited as they felt last night? I'd say maybe, because even, like, when Jaron Jackson got picked last year, like, people weren't, like, super pumped about that pick. It was, like, as he sort of, sort of showed himself early in the year, they realized, oh, you know, but there, was, there hadn't been, like, a moment like that, I'd say, since, like, Marcus All hit the game winner against San Antonio in the playoffs a few years ago, um, in Game Four, I believe it was, or Game Three. I'm yeah. not, I'm not well, sure. definitely the happiest night since I've been on this beat uh, in November. Uh, there were a couple of nights during the season, you know, when they went to twelve and five, and, and they were just ecstatic, and it felt like everything was right yeah, in the felt, world. It felt like half the fan base though was like, "Eh, let's see if this is sustained." You know, it wasn't like. It felt like the entire fan base – I mean, maybe I'm drawing too much in this, but the entire fan base feels really good today because now you have – no matter who, whether they pick John Moran or R.J. Barron, we can get into that later, like who we like, what, what we think they should do. You're going to have a second building block to pair with Jaron Jackson Jr. And it fi- – like I wrote this in my column today. Um, you can finally see – there's like – you can finally see a path to them emerging from sort of this – Mediocrity that they've endured the past couple years. Um, you can build around these two pieces, and you know you, you think about it. You have these two, and whether you keep Mike around to help to help sort of mentor them next year, or if you trade Mike and add even more sort of pieces and and assets around them. The, the, that's promising. Yes, it's a great problem to have when you when you start thinking about what this means for Mike Conley's future. It did not take long for the speculation to arise about what this could mean for Mike Conley's future. Uh, I think minutes after the results were in on the lottery, Tony Jones, who covers the Utah Jazz for The Athletic and who was in uh, on a lot of their trade discussions and, and talks with the Grizzlies around the trade deadline, suggested, hey, Jazz fans, if you're looking for uh, Mike Conley to, to come in here, 
this might be the you know the bounce that you needed because if the Grizzlies take Morant, have their point guard of the future, maybe they don't feel as bad about uh, giving up Mike Conley and maybe the Jazz after getting bounced in the playoffs and having some subpar backcourt play are ready to to shell out and and give the Grizzlies well, the bounty the, that they're looking for. What, are, what I, here's my thing though. That that package that the Jazz offered, reportedly offered Memphis at the deadline. Like I just think they can get better than that. Like like, and I don't know if Utah can even offer that package anymore because Rubio and Favors are free agents. Um, I think ultimately, if they trade Mike Conley, it's going to come after free agency starts. When these te- when teams that strike out on marquee free agent getting a marquee free agent, but have cap room still want to get an established star in. and like I, I still think it is the best move for the Grizzlies to wait till then because that's when they're going to maximize their leverage um, in this situation. Um, and so I, mean, I, I think the team that ultimately, Mike Conley ultimately goes to, I don't, think it's, I don't think it's one of the teams we heard at the deadline. I think it's someone else. So if that's the case and they don't move Mike Conley at the draft, they'll be going into the draft – uh, with Conley on the roster, does that does that affect who you're looking at? Do Heck you no. you pick the best player? Who whoever this this new front office determines is the best player available, whether it's John Morant or R.J. Barrett or I guess if they want to really they really want to take a risk, someone else. Um, but I doubt that. You know, it's gonna be. That you pick who you think is the best available. Well, let's start with Morant. I think a lot of people, the consensus around the country is that is that he is the He's best the guy, yeah. player available there. Do you guys remember back in the I newsroom, remember. back in December or January, I, uh, I was had kind of a slow day, and I was saying, hey, Murray State's playing up at UT Martin tonight. So like an hour and 45 minutes, I should go up there. And at the time, I really didn't even know how to pronounce the guy's first name. Uh, I think yeah. a lot of people around the country How didn't. did you think it was pronounced? <laughs> Jay? I mean, I... Oh, really? John. I mean, his real first name is like Demetrius, but really? he goes by John Morant. Yeah, huh. and uh, his dad played high school basketball with Ray Allen in South Carolina. Fun okay. fact. Um, so, so do you regret it? Do you regret? I it? do regret it. In fact, that game that he played up at UT Martin, it was it brought one of his biggest highlight reel dunks of the season. I mean, yeah, he, he just dunk, he did like a Vince Carter dunk, like over over the guy's head. Right? It was unbelievable. And so, uh, a couple of factors here that are interesting on Morant, and we'll we'll dive into how he fits with the Grizzlies. Uh, but his freshman year at Murray State, he came in as an unranked prospect. I mean, not on the radar of 247 Sports, doesn't even have any star rankings with rivals or ESPN, none of that. Uh, he comes in, has a really good freshman season, but not anywhere near the sort of numbers he put up as a sophomore. And that was partially because he was playing second fiddle uh, to a kid who played at Munford High School up in Tipton County, who is now in the G League. Um, and What's his name? Jonathan, and I'm blanking on the last name, Mark, you had to ask. Uh, but anyway. Well, to be fair, though, I think Ja, the story is that he got some late D- big-time offers, but he, he, he rewarded Murray State. For offering, you know, for being with him at the beginning. Right. It sounds know, like South Carolina and Clemson kind of came in at the end, but Morant uh, went to uh, Murray State. And if you, to be fair, Murray State actually has a pretty decent track record for a mid-major. Yeah. Is it, well, Isaiah Cannon, Campaign, a Memphis guy. Yeah. They've produced some pros here recently, and they've they've got a great track record of sending coaches on to the next level. So you got to think that uh, Matt McMahon, who's the coach up there, who's from Oak Ridge, Tennessee, is probably going to cash in on what he was able to do with uh, Morant at the point guard position. They made two straight NCAA tournaments. 
this is a guy who a lot of people are really, really excited about. What? How do you see him being as an NBA player? What's the comp, I guess? For, well, I think the Moore? comp people are saying is because of his athleticism and the fact that he's a point guard is Russell Westbrook. But I, I don't know if he's quite – he's – you know, Russell Westbrook is not – um, he's Russell Westbrook's got a better body, I guess I would say. But John Moran, I think, is a more natural point guard. Jonathan Stark, by the way, that was the player who was with John Moran his freshman year at Murray State, prolific scorer. And so Ja was played secondary role to him. They made the NCAA tournament. Do you want the Grizzlies to draft Jonathan Stark? I'm sorry, but it, it's of local interest because this guy was a, a, a stud up at, at Montford anyway. Uh, they here's what I'm going to tell you. I don't think any Grizzlies fans give two Fs about uh, Jonathan Stark. <laughs> <laughs> they care about John Moran. Okay, continue. Um, continue. No, I think I think his blend, his athleticism and dunking ability and his passing are, I mean, like, very attractive. Yeah, I think his shooting, he's a little, you know, he's a streaky shooter, I think, is what his kind of MO is. But um, he gives you your point guard of the future – and probably the point you can play you he's big enough where you could play him with Mike Conley mm-hmm. if you kept Mike Conley, and you could play him with Delon Wright if you got rid of if you if you trade Mike. Those three Mike guys Conley. can all play off the ball, so that's why I'm not too worried about yeah. you know creating a log jam at point guard. I think Javon Carter is probably the odd man out here, but uh, Delon Wright, Mike Conley, and uh, it just seems like uh, it seems like it seems like with John Morant. I mean, when you think about it, I mean, I know he. He's proven he's better than he was as a, than than the recruiting services judged him to be. But I also think he's like on this exponential rise right now, and I you know it feels like you want to try and ride that if you're you know that's right. if your team like if he's yeah. gotten this much better after two years in college, what's he going to become in two years from now? Well, and I think if you've got any reservations about the level at which he played uh, his college basketball in the Ohio Valley Conference, uh, go look at what uh, C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard are doing right now for the Portland Trailblazers. Both both mid-major guys, and I think the comp I would take is, is Lillard. Not not necessarily because the games their games align you know perfectly, but Lillard's a mid-major guy uh, who you know made it, and he's he's put the Portland Trailblazers on his the, back, and I the, think that's the kind of the ceiling here for the, for the thing I would say. About Lillard is that he was a knockdown shooter at Weber State, and he's been a knockdown shooter in the, at the NBA level. Um, in addition to be, like like John Morant is more explosive than Damian Lillard. He can play above the rim more than Damian Lillard, and he's not. But he's not the shooter, Damian Lillard. At least not right now. Um, so that'll be fascinating. And the other thing with John Morant is he turned the ball over a ton in college. Now I think that's probably more a product of. He had to do everything for Murray. He was he had the ball in his hands a ton. Had to what do about when Jonathan Stark State. was there, Mark? I don't know. I mean, I think Jonathan Stark maybe was bringing that team down, David. I don't know because did they make the tournament with Jonathan <laughs> yes. Stark? Oh, yeah, they, they, they lost to Javon Carter's West Virginia Mountaineers in the first round. And uh, then the team. Well, got that's why. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, actually, Carter was guarding them. Right, right. Well, no. Uh, yeah, it's so with Morant. Meteoric rise, and, and you, what did you say that you know you kind of want to ride this wave? Uh, I went back and watched his junior year highlight tape from high school on Huddle this morning, and he he did an interview with uh, 
former Commercial Appeal reporter Tom Shad a few months back at the NCAA tournament where he said he, he couldn't really dunk until he was going into his senior year of high school. And this huddle tape proves it. I mean, he's on an absolute breakaway, nobody in sight, and he, and he lays it in. He couldn't dunk. Now all of a sudden he's making these plays above the rim, um, you know, just regarded as this absolutely explosive athlete. To me, it's just absolutely fascinating, his rise uh, to, to where he is now as a surefire top three pick. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to read the feature on Jonathan Stark. I mean, is that in the works? Are you? Yeah, I mean, I, I got to track that guy down. He's a guy. He's a local guy who played with John Morant. It's a great story. For sure. Uh, um, well, then let's haters. talk. Let's talk. I know. I know. Like every, it seems like it seemed like from the from the social media reaction, from from just reading the tea leaves around the NBA that John Morant is the favorite to get to be picked number two by the Grizzlies, um, but. They would be foolish not to uh, not to look at RJ not to Barrett. look at RJ Barrett. He's a very exciting player in his own right. I, I watch. It's funny. I watched RJ a decent amount in AAU a couple years ago, um, and you know I think what he did at Duke this year. Like I think if you go look the the if you go look at like those five or six games Zion missed, sort of near the end of the regular season, and go watch RJ Barrett in those games. Unbelievable, unbelievable, and that's where that's where you kind of fall in love. Like that is a guy who is going. He can put the ball in the hole in so many different ways, and I think his one sort of issue last year was that, and maybe this was a symptom of being around so many good players at Duke, is that he didn't see. He seemed to always be wanting to make the right play for himself, not necessarily the right play for the team. And it's a polite way of saying he was kind of a ball hog. Um, but in those games when Zion wasn't on the floor, I'm telling you, he was unbelievable. You can go back and watch. Hitting threes. He can score from all three levels. Um, and he's a guy who it's, he, he just seems to draw contact naturally. Mm-hmm. Like he's a guy, he, a lot like kind of like James Harden, where like I could see him at the NBA level getting to the free throw line double-digit times a game. Um, because he has this, and it's not because he's like necessarily the quickest guy or the the most athletic guy, but he's just got a Seven. knack. Yeah, he's just got a knack for slithering into the lane, um, and he can he 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 can make tough baskets. Um, but again, you know, and he's 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 a wing. I mean, he's a natural. He he seems like he translates into a natural wing at the NBA level. Um, I don't think you can really go wrong with either of them. I think it it seems like. John Morant probably has the higher ceiling. It seems like R.J. Barrett probably has the higher floor, if that makes any sense. Yeah, he's more of a sure bet. I mean, he's proven it at the highest level of college basketball, put up some absolutely ridiculous numbers while playing alongside guys like Cam Reddish and Zion Williamson, who commanded uh, the basketball quite a bit themselves. So uh, definitely not a bad option with R.J. Barrett. Uh, the Grizzlies are going through the the draft combine this week up in Chicago. Zach Kleiman and uh, some other front office office representatives are up there uh, representing the Grizzlies, uh, doing interviews, watching guys, taking some measurables and things of that nature. The draft is is June twentieth, and it's at the Barclays Center in New York this year. Uh, there is some business to conduct before the draft, though, Mark. I mean, obviously, the excitement over the draft is, is the primary news item right now. Wait, let me let me before we move on to something else. So what would you take? Higher ceiling, higher floor. What's in your opinion? What should go big be? or go home? John Morant. Yeah. So okay. And, and I mean, it, it should be noted or taken into account at least how, like, 
which one of those two players complements Jaron Jackson Jr. more than the other? Mm-hmm. I mean, I I think I think and, they and both which, can. And which one does to be Jaren, honest, and which one does Jaron complement more than the other? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I think. Bo- well, two. I think both of them will play fine with. With Jaron, the pick and roll, pick and pop game though Both could be awfully them. appealing with with Morant. Yeah, yes. but RJ Barrett can do that too. Like it's not like RJ Barrett can't have. He showed it too. He can have the ball in his hands and run a pick and roll. With Jackson's ability to finish so quickly in established position, and with Morant's sort of uh, floor vision and ability to find the open guy, I, I just see that being a very natural connection. I'm just playing devil's advocate. I'd take John Morant too, but um, <laughs> you know, I, I think you got to go higher ceiling and. It's even. I know you don't you don't pick for position, but it is really attractive that with Mike Conley, sort of with one foot out the door, you can bring in his 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 successor right now. Um, that 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 is attractive to me. Absolutely. So the the next order of business for this franchise, of course, they're scouting uh, players at the NBA draft combine this week. But uh, it's probably about time to get on to that coaching search and maybe get serious about that. I mean, what's your thought? Do you have a, a, a date range in mind for when? Hey, they should probably get this thing done. I mean, obviously, uh, Jonas Valanciunas has a June thirteenth uh, date where he has to decide whether he's going to opt into the last year of his deal. You would think that he would probably want to listen to a new coach's pitch for his vision before he makes that decision. I mean, where are you at on the coaching search? Or does it, does it even matter who the coach of the Grizzlies is? I mean, it ultimately doesn't matter, I guess. It, like, I would think you want someone in ahead of the draft, ahead of Jonas's decision. I, I would think you would want, you know, maybe in the next couple weeks, I would think. Um, but then again, you know, I don't think it's the end of the world if they wait till, you know, July. I mean, they're like, they're the only team looking for a coach right now. So who's the summer, so like, who's the summer league coach if you go into July? Uh, Tayshawn Prince, Elliot Perry? No, what do you mean? I mean, like, aren't some of those guys on JB's staff still probably under under contract? Mm, I, I don't know. So. Um, but, no, that's that's why I tend to think they're going to do it in the next few weeks because you, you would want to go, you know, like if John Morant's playing in summer league, you would want him playing in a system that his future coach is going to, or R.J. Barrett, that their future coach wants. Um, so, and now that you know they have the number two pick, I mean, honestly, the job has got a lot more attractive yesterday, last night. Um, and so, and like I said, they're operating from a position of power in that now that Cleveland hired John Beeline, um, they're the only one looking for one. And yeah, so, I mean, the Timberwolves have some interviews lined up for, but for all intents and purposes, I mean, the Grizzlies have their pick of. of well, the, are the Timberwolves looking for a coach? I thought they were bringing. They back. have not officially removed the interim tag from Ryan Saunders, oh, so I didn't they're. they're that. I think they're interviewing a couple of the Portland assistants. Uh, you I know, didn't realize that. So okay. you know, but the thing with this this Grizzlies coaching search is that I mean, essentially, you know, they run through coaches so quickly, or at least they have under Robert Para that. Maybe ultimately it doesn't matter because it seems like the chances are uh, that you know whoever they draft will probably be here a lot longer uh, than the coach will. So that's clearly um, the top item I think in Grizzlies world right now is they've landed the second pick. John Morant and R.J. Barrett are the hot names. They're going towards the June 20th draft with something to be excited about, and and that's more than you could probably say uh, for this franchise before last night. So uh, it's going to be a fun season in Memphis basketball all the way around next year. Uh, Memphis Tigers loading up on prospects. Memphis Grizzlies are going to have a fun rookie. I got a question for you. What what do you think they should look for in a coach? Like what I know we've we've seen them interview essentially at this point young assistants. Uh, one, it sounds like, international candidate in Sarunas 
Yasakevitz. Did I pronounce it right? Yeah. I think. I, I remember watching him at Maryland. Um, but do you think they need an established head coach? That was my initial thought was that, okay, if you're going to trade Mike Conley, uh, there's going to be a void of, of player leadership with the Grizzlies next season uh, and that you would probably benefit from having a a head coach with NBA experience who could come in and really uh, drive the culture uh, in the locker room next year because I think even when they started hot and Gasol was still on the team, there was a void in leadership uh, because there had just really never been anyone to fill that role after Tony Allen and Zach Randolph. My my initial thought was that, hey, a, a coach, a proven coach, a veteran coach could come in and, and be a culture driver and, and really do that. But, you know, the more I think about it, they've actually had some pretty good luck uh, in franchise history with hiring coaches who have not been NBA head coaches before. Lionel Hollins turned out to be a really good coach. Uh, the fact that Dave Yeager and David Fisdale went on to get other NBA jobs after they were let go in Memphis shows you that they're pretty well regarded coaches around the league and then jb bickerstaff goes out and lands an interview for the cavaliers job and for the lakers job um and he's going to be a, a probably a lead assistant somewhere so uh the fact of the matter is they've apparently done a pretty good job over the last several years of identifying up and coming coaches who don't have experience so i mean heck if they want to go that route again they've actually got a good track record with it it's just they don't have a good track record of actually sticking with the guy that they find well and here now over the next couple months, this is going to be our really our first impression of Zach Kleiman. This is now now that now that we know where they're picking, we know they're not conveying. Now let's see, and I I would like to see him quite frankly, um, sort of explain what his plan is um, publicly to the fan base to uh, you know I mean to us honestly I want I want to know uh, you know obviously you don't want to tell people exactly what you're doing but I think I think there's now a template in place there should be at least going forward of a vision for how you're going to get this franchise back on track obviously this number two pick will be a big part of it but there's going to be more and i want to i want to know how he proceeds i want to know i want to know i don't i guess i don't want to know what his plan is but i want to see how he sort of executes things now like this is where now you know they took a big risk elevating him into this role and now let's see what he does in it. Right. Talked to team president Jason Wexler last night who uh, uh, watched from his living room with a pair of Lucky Converse on that had the Grizzlies logo on them. And uh, he was ecstatic, but he said, uh, and this is in your column, Mark, that uh, sometimes you need luck, sometimes you need a lot of luck, but then you've got to pair it with smarts. Now it's time for this front office to show that they've got the smarts to get this Grizzlies franchise back in the playoff hunt and to captivate you know, this city, uh, to connect with this city once again. That's especially important now, probably more so than it ever has been. Uh, they're not the top dog in town anymore. Memphis basketball has that locked down, I think, for the time being. Uh, but there's reason to be excited about this Grizzlies franchise, and it's time for this, this front office to, to pair some, some smarts and some good decisions with the luck that they got on Tuesday. I agree. Well, that'll do it for us. That's the uh, Memphis Grizzlies podcast from the Commercial Appeal. I'm David Cobb, the Grizzlies beat writer. He's Mark Giannato, uh, the sports columnist. We appreciate Jason Munns, sports producer, for uh, getting us set up here today. Check out all of our coverage at commercialappeal.com.